Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. I would start where I can. And I think that's where people get into the most trouble is they have this vision. And it's good to to vision. It's important to vision. But you don't need to achieve that vision tomorrow. For Christ's sake, start where you can. Even if that's just collaborating with somebody in your local business, it's all about relationships. Just start making relationships where you can. Maybe that's pop-ups. Maybe the pop-ups evolve into um, a farmer's market where you have a standard farmer's market. Maybe you get a more consistent pop-up where now every week on Sunday when this restaurant's closed, I'm in there, you know? And over time, you get your word out and it's slow, organic growth. You start doing what you do better. You get more clear and then as cash flow increases and you can buy things with your own assets, you know, it's, it's have the 10 year goal and know that you're not going to get there overnight. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders and innovators served up on the house. If hosting this show has made one thing incredibly clear, it's that teamwork, data, and resources will be what help us thrive post-pandemic. Understanding that, Yelp and I have created a cheat sheet, offering insight into consumer behavior, popular trends, and free tools and resources to help you get open and stay open. You can download that guide at joshcopel.com forward slash resources. Didn't write that down? There's a link in the show notes as well. I have spent so much time worried about myself and my own restaurant that I haven't given much thought to the next generation of restaurateurs coming down the pike. What do they think about what's going on? Are they discouraged? Do they have any valuable insight to offer us as we work our way through this? On this episode, we sit down with Eric Cacciatore, aspiring restaurateur and podcaster who offers a unique perspective on the past and future of the industry. Dude, the last two years of my life have, have looked like I, I haven't spent more than three months in one location for the past two years of my life. Uh, I've been traveling all over the nation internationally, uh, just trying to surround myself with the most successful restaurateurs. And there's something about being in person um, that I just believe in is whether it's just the interview, being next to somebody, reading their body language, uh, the networking that comes from that, like the pre and post interview chat. Like for me, I'm the kind of person that rather drive 30 hours across the country to sit across from somebody than to look at a computer screen. And I know we're doing it right now, but the thing is for me, like, I just, I like being in front of people. I don't know why it is that, but basically over the past two years, I've been trying to really just surround myself with the best, uh, whatever it takes, really living on my car, more or less. Uh, with what goal in mind? What's the point of the travel? What's the point of the interviewing? The, the ultimate goal of Restaurant Unstoppable has always just been to learn from the most successful people and in doing that. So like sharing those knowledge, like sharing those lessons, sharing the stories with everybody as I go. Um, the past two years, like I said, that the whole point of being on site in person is because I, I feel like the world we live in today is so transactional that it's really not that hard to raise the bar and be more transformative uh, because everyone's just willing. We, we have so many relationships in our lives because it takes a lot of time and energy to have a meaningful relationship. We just don't have the bandwidth for it. So I'm kind of fighting against the grain saying, hey, if you really want to be happy, if you really want to, to make progress, I think business is all about relationships. And I think if you're willing to make the, 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 the effort to be literally across from somebody, like 
in the long run, that compounds some way, somehow, and it will pay off in the long run. So just, just trying to be more transformative, trying to lean more into relationships, basically, is the, the, the idea. More impactful is another word that comes to mind. Well, and, and you're hoping that, you know, through these conversations, you're able to get a bit closer to your own goal and your own dream, which is to become a restaurateur, right? Yeah. The, so Restaurant Unstoppable, um, I don't know how much you want me to go back, uh, but the long story short is I grew up in the restaurant industry. I became a commercial pilot, realized I had no business in the aviation industry. It just wasn't the right lane for me. Uh, knew that I loved the hospitality industry, but I created a situation for myself being $200,000 in debt because becoming a commercial pilot isn't cheap, that I would never be able to pay off my, my debt working in the restaurant industry. And that who was going to give me a loan? How am I going to start a business with $200,000 in debt? So in 2013, I just, I was like doing like this search, like this internal search about like, what, how do I want to spend the rest of my life after resigning from aviation? Like, how am I going to make a life in hospitality possible? And around this time, I was working at a winery because I thought that I would get into wine sales uh, because I knew I wouldn't be able to work in the restaurant because I would never make enough money. But if I could work with restaurants, that's the next best thing. Because I, what I love about the restaurant industry are the people. I grew up in the restaurant industry. My parents owned restaurants. Like they're the most hardest, hardest working badass mofos out there are restaurant people. Genuine, authentic, caring. We're just awesome. And I knew I wanted to be with these people. So selling wine is something that I felt like I wouldn't be selling. I'd be helping people because every restaurant needs wine and not everyone's a, re- a wine expert. So I got in as a wine uh, assistant to learn more about wine. Um, did that for about a year, realized that selling wine wasn't going to be my thing. But in that time, I was in a cellar by myself all day. And this is around the same time I discovered podcasting. And I was listening to probably 16 hours worth of audio, eight hours of work times two all day, just listening to these entrepreneurs sharing their story about how they became successful. And I was thinking to myself, why doesn't our industry do this? Why don't we share knowledge? What, what is the issue where you have all these super crazy successful entrepreneurs out there just being so generous with their knowledge? Why doesn't that spill over into our industry? Why are we so closed off? Why are we so protected with our knowledge? And I kind of set out early on to kind of break that, that, perception. Um, I didn't know if it was true, but it felt that way. Did you ever feel that way at one point within the, the restaurant? Was I imagining it? Do you think? No, no. I felt that way ever since I got into it. It's one of the yeah. reasons that, uh, that the industry can be so isolating is because everybody's having the best day of their life. Everybody's having the best month in the history of their business. And none of it's true. It's all propped up on ego. And yeah. it was through the, the pandemic I found that uh, there, were, there was an openness and a willingness to have the conversation about the difficulties in the industry, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I basically just wanted to tear down that, that wall or that stereotype of the industry. And I, I figured if I, if I started just approaching restaurateurs, successful restaurateurs saying, hey, I'm a student of the industry, which I literally was at that time. I was taking classes for hospitality and marketing. And I just want to learn from the best. And I want to share my lessons with the rest of the world. That was my, my pitch to these restaurateurs. Um, and I just want, kind of wanted to kind of break that, that habit within the industry, that, that trend within the industry of protecting your knowledge. And the truth is the most successful people, what I found the most successful people are in, in our industry are the most generous with their knowledge. And that's why they're successful. And that's why they attract onto themselves so many incredible people because they're surrounding themselves with, with amazing people and they're investing in those people. They see the strength, they see the talent, they see the potential in these individuals. And then they give, 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 give and build these people up around them. So there's a reason why there's only a certain percentage of people who are truly successful in this industry. Uh, I feel like they're the ones that have figured out that it's, it's all about the more I give, the more I get, you know? 
Well, and you described the show as a melting pot of mentors. Yeah. Who are the most prominent mentors that come to mind for you? That's a question I get a lot. Um, and honestly, there, after 700 plus interviews, um, there's just so many valuable lessons that I've learned. The people that I, I consider like my heroes in the industry that I really go to continuously to learn more and more from, uh, one is Ari Weinswag from Zingerman's. Um, and the other one is Mario uh, uh, Del Perro from Mendocino's Farms. And I, I, as far as culture goes, I think those two guys are just doing it really well. And um, really, it's weird, but like, I just, I don't really geek out over one or two people. I mean, those are the people that come to the mind immediately when I think of it, but there isn't really just one person that stands out above all others. Uh, I've, I've gotten a little bit from a lot of different people. Has, uh, has the global pandemic kind of adjusted your aspirations for wanting to be a restaurateur? No, if anything, it's, it's made me, well, I mean, when you think of, when you, when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to mind is, is does it make you want to be a restaurateur less? And the yeah. answer to that is no, but it does influence my wanting to be an entre- uh, a restaurateur because I feel like now, and this is probably counter to what most people would think is there's never been a better time in my experience, in my years of doing this podcast to get into the restaurant industry, because there's going to be so much opportunity um, and so much uh, human uh, capital on the table too, because so many people are losing their jobs. Uh, so many businesses are just going out. So like, there's just so much opportunity. So now more than ever, have I wanted to, to open my own restaurant, honestly, just because of, because of how much is on the table. There's just so much on the table right now. Are you working towards that? And if so, what does that look like? It's weird, man. Like over the past seven years, like the dream was always to open a restaurant and, and I would be full of shit. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? You can Should within I, reason. <laughs> I'd be full of I would be full of caca if I didn't say that the interviews I've recorded, the 700 plus interviews I've recorded, haven't jaded me a little bit because the truth of the industry is that it's hard. It's it's really hard. You're so many, even to this day, the people that I interview who the show is supposed to be motivational, inspirational, and a lot of the time it just gets real. Even the people that are at the top of their game are struggling. I had Michael uh, Gulata on the show from New Orleans, Mofo, and May. May, uh, I can't remember the second restaurant he opened. Lots of names and restaurants run through my head, so it's hard to keep it all straight. Uh, but basically, uh, you know, like. I think James Beard, uh, winner or at least semifinalist, uh, GQ, uh, best restaurant of the year, like accolades up the wazoo, man. Like mm. from the outside looking in, this guy's doing like there's nobody better in New Orleans during this time when he was getting all these accolades. But from the inside looking out, they were scraping to get by, man. Even and like that's the truth of our industry. Even the people who are seemingly the most successful are still scraping. You're no stranger to this, man. You you know exactly what myself. it's like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's the reality of the industry. And, uh, you know, I forget the original question, but this is the idea. Yeah. Has my influence changed or has my perspective changed? Absolutely. I'm far more hesitant about, you know, this, if anything, the show has just made me more apprehensive to getting into the industry, uh, and more hesitant. And, you know, if, if I'm going to open a restaurant tomorrow, it's going to be with my own money. And I say two things determine growth in this industry or even worth getting into the industry cash flow and people if you don't have those two things then don't get into this industry absolutely not and i don't have those things i mean i have people theoretically i have a network of hundreds of, of restaurant people um and i have i i was gonna have money before covid19 but even <laughs> this industry has affected me and as far as i mean i'm totally transparent with with numbers man 2017 i made eighteen thousand dollars through the podcast 2019 
uh, sorry, 2017, 18,000, 2018, made 46,000 in 2019. I just barely almost was about to uh, break six figures. So I've been almost doubling compounding over the past three years. And it took me almost four years to even get to the point where I was making any money. Right. Uh, and in 2020, uh, all like, I would say 95% of my revenue came from sponsors. Um, mm-hmm. 2020, like when, when, when COVID hit, the companies that service restaurants got con- extremely conservative uh, and I don't blame them. So now, you know, I'm back to the point where I'll be lucky if I probably break 30,000 this year of my own, unless I get some PPP or whatever. But the idea is like, you know, I, I've had to do a lot of self-reflecting. Um, you know, I, I need to like sl- slow down and figure out like who are the people in my network that might want a piece of what I'm doing, who will also lift me up. Um, you know, you want to punch up, you want to, you want to leverage your assets to climb the ladder. You know what I'm saying? So like, who, who can I surround myself with? Who's in my network that can help bring this thing to the next level is this, this internal dialogue that I'm having right now. When you talk, it makes me think about my father and something my father always told me, which was, you know, I want you to make new mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes I made. You don't need to go down that path. And one of the ways you've utilized the podcast is to avoid pitfalls and, and, roadblocks unnecessarily so that you do have the opportunity to make your own mistakes and not the mistakes that so many other restaurateurs make. Uh, do any of those come to mind? And is there it's anything like, front of mind in this situation? You know, it's, it's weird. Like that example you said, um, you know, you learn about all the mistakes and you see about, you, you see all these trends about what it takes to be successful in the industry, but there's never going to be a perfect storm. And I think a lot of sure. times people wait for the perfect storm. And I, I don't know, like there, I think there's a part of me sometimes that as much as the podcast has served me, like I see all these different variables that what what it takes to be successful. And if it's not that I tend to not bite because I'm waiting for the perfect storm. I'm waiting for the perfect uh, variables to be in my life. And sometimes you just got to start with what you got, you know? So I I sometimes wonder if I'm too apprehensive because, because of this pressure, if I open a restaurant, Eric Cacciatore from restaurant unstoppable spoken to hundreds of successful restaurateurs, you know exactly how to do it. But the truth is I could easily fail and fall so hard on my face, but I feel like there's more pressure on me to be successful out of the gates because you know, like of, of all this, this time and energy I put into learning about the industry. So it's a little stressful if I'm being honest, man. It's a little scary to, I think there's more pressure on me to be successful than somebody else. Yeah. But one of the things that I've always loved and appreciated about you and about your show and the way that you choose to host it uh, is, is that you, you try not to put yourself out there as an industry expert, right? You're a vessel, you're a vessel uh, providing the knowledge of others to people that are actively seeking it. Um, and in doing so, you, you've enabled yourself to become, you know, a, a leader within the industry as well, because a lot of people do look to you and to your show for, for guidance. Um, one of the philosophies that I, I think has come out of this for you is the idea of open book management, which you have a very traditional idea about, but then also kind of a new and innovative approach. Will you talk about it? I mean, if you're not familiar with the idea of open book management, it's basically you're just literally opening your books to your team. Ideally, in most circumstances, you're just saying, hey, like, this is exactly, it's full transparency. This is the amount of money we're bringing. So when you, when you 
it's like rolling over onto your back and showing your vulnerabilities. You have nothing to hide. Think about a dog when it rolls over on its back. Are you threatened by that dog? No, you want to love that dog. When, when we become vulnerable, it only increases the, the bond, the, the, the truth or the, the trust between parties, right? So just being vulnerable, opening up your books makes people trust you more. Beyond that, the, the really powerful thing about open book management is that you're not just saying, here's your paycheck. You're saying, here's your paycheck and here's how we got to that number. And here's what we take. And you're actually teaching your people the, the, the game of business. And that's the true power in open book management is you're not just teaching them how to be an employee. You're, you're grooming them to be management from day one. And it, they, they start to understand, well, I, well, now I know why it's important if I break a dish because, you know, there's such little margins. And then when you start teaching people the game of business and you make it about the game of business, then all of a sudden people start pulling in the same direction. You, you, you create a team of leaders and you, you give that, that, that um, from, from open book management, you can get people just to weigh in, to buy in, to get that sense of ownership, to see that when they make a contribution, there is an impact, there is an end result of that contribution. And then to recognize people, it's so powerful, man. Who's really inspiring you right now? For me, it's Mark Canlis out of Seattle. I, yeah, I think that they're, they're incredible. Uh, I mean, really, like like his philosophies, his corporate culture, uh, the the initiatives that he set forth through the pandemic have been so inspiring for me. Who's doing that for you? I just want to compound off that that uh, sentiment of my of Mark Canlis. Uh, in my journeys, he was one of the people that I was able to meet in person. He was a guest on the show, but being in uh, Washington, I just wanted to meet him in person and just literally pulled up. Like, this is canless. This isn't just a restaurant you roll up to during off hours and say, hi, like they're, they're, they're a legit operation. Like they take their, their business very seriously. And I did that. I just rolled up and, I, and he was outside, like looking at his garden. I said, Mark, Eric Cacciatore, Restaurant Unstoppable. He welcomed me in. He let me sit through pre-mail. I felt I was so underdressed, man. But it's just a testament of like that, that generosity, that hospitality that everyone labels them with is so real. It's not, it's the real deal for sure. I just want to compound off that, that sentiment you shield with us. I, I, I love Mark Canlis in the, the Canlis restaurants, but who's inspiring me right now? So many people, dude, how do you, how do you narrow it down? I mean, I'll bring it back to Ari Weinswag and, um, and this, even like Jeff Fenster is somebody else that, that recently really inspired me. And it's because this idea of, of, uh, of vertical integration. And I think that vertical integration is going to be part of the solution. We talk about change, like this industry needs change, change, change. Um, the biggest lessons I've learned in restaurant stoppable is that it's not about yourself. It's about how much, it's not like what, what good you can do for yourself. It's about what good can I do for other people and how can I make my business all about creating opportunity and empowering other people. And the, the reason why I love the vertical integration model is because you can, it's about the, the image I like to create is it's about going deep. It's not about how, when people think about scaling, they think outwards. Like I need it more and more and more. And we need to grow, 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 out, out, out. Growth comes from in. Growth comes from putting all that energy into yourself and what you already have and making it better to the point where you can't make it better anymore. To the point where because you're so good at what you do, opportunities are literally throwing themselves against you. And when you, when you do one thing really well and you just focus on how can I do what I do even better, that's when growth comes because it's organic, slow, natural growth. And you, you, you're bringing people up. The, like You look at the Danny Myers of the world, which isn't necessarily vertical integration, but the, the best restaurant 
mentors know that it's about investing in the next generation of, of people. Like you're building these people up. They're going to hit a ceiling. They're going to leave you or you can invest in them. You, you've already given them your core values. They, they already have your systems, processes, procedures. Um, it was Cameron Mitchell from uh, Cameron Mitchell Restaurant Groups that said that when you're scaling your business, you, you figure like you, you make that thing as tight as it can be, the business, the systems, the processes, the cultures, the core values, as tight as it can be. And then you just put a new, it's like a, a, a car with all the systems, the engine, you know, the oil, the, the brakes, the, any system that's in a car and you're just putting a new exterior on it. You just rebrand it and you put the people that would go on to go do their own thing into that, that new restaurant with their vision of what they're passionate about. And that, that's what vertical integration is all about. It's about developing a, a culture, a community of businesses, and then creating opportunity within that culture so with Zingerman's, that example I started with, they, they started with a delicatessen and then I can't remember what order it went into, but they had a, a, a coffee house, a, a, a restaurant, the roadhouse, uh, an ice cream shop, a mail order, um, Zing train where they teach all their lessons. So they, they just find ways to grow and go deeper into a community. And, um, and I think that that's the part of the solution for the future is it's not about how rich can I get, but how, how, how can I create as much opportunity for other people within this organization to, to see them for what they are and the passions they have, not my ambitions. What so I want to know is I want to know how you're going to grow. So I, I like that idea of vertical integration and, and taking to myself. So like I kind of put the car uh, in front of the horse with my whole approach of opening a restaurant. Like I said, I, I'm not in the position to open a restaurant right now, but I am in the position to learn as much as I freaking can, right? To learn as much as I can and to help other people who are in the position because I have the time to sit across from these restaurant tours. I can do the work and put the, and make these lessons available to the rest of the world. So I figured if I can help enough other people become successful in the industry, eventually I'll create opportunities for myself. So that's been the past seven years of my life is just trying to be of value to other people. So on the sentiment of uh, vertical integration, now that like it's starting, like it's starting to come back around, I'm starting to create opportunities for myself. Um, I would like to take that, that idea of vertical integration. So you have restaurantstoppable.com at the top. That's like the like Zingerman's like, you know, brand community business, like restaurantstoppable.com. And underneath that, what we're working on building right now is a network where I want to bring my past guests and my most loyal listeners and the experts in the tools and services that have been most recommended all to one place to bring good people together. And within that community, I'm hoping to basically go back through the biggest lessons, go connect, reconnect with the people who had the biggest impact and just go deeper, right? Again, it's not about going out. It's about going in deeper, knowing what you know even better and doing what you do even better. And for me, that's, that's leaning into relationships, the ones I've already created, not going out and meeting new people, but leaning into the relationships I've already had and making those bonds even tighter. So that's going to be the network. And then once I can automate the podcast, which would be, so you have at the very top restaurantstoppable.com. Then underneath that, you'd have restaurantstoppable, the podcast, restaurantstoppable, the network. And then I'd like to do restaurantstoppable group where I'm, I have this network of incredible restaurateurs who are coming to me to, to, to do this together, to learn together, why not invest in those people? Why not take all this money that I'm creating from sponsorship and affiliate marketing and say, hey, like, I can't step away from this podcast right now because it, it takes all I have to, to sustain it, but we can collaborate 
and I can invest as and become a, a partner with you because you embody all the core values that I have. You, you've listened to every episode. You know who I am. You know why not like use this network to invest in people and then start a restaurant group. You know that that's one vision I've had, and who knows where it goes from there. Uh, but just this idea of of cross promoting and vertically integrating your businesses to to go deeper. You know. What makes you nervous? What are you what afraid of? Nervous? I'm not nervous, yeah. man. Uh, oh, as far as opening a restaurant, failure. And the same reason why anybody else would be afraid of us. But now, like, I feel like I have less. I feel like there's more expected from me because my whole, the past seven years of my life, I've been all about success in the industry. But the truth is, no matter who you are, even the most successful restaurateurs fail every day. Danny oh, Meyer yeah. has failed. He's closed restaurants. You know, like, m- even the most successful restaurateurs are batting like 300 you know, for sure. Uh, and that's scary. So, I mean, what would I do? Like if, if I was, if I didn't have restaurant unstoppable and I was opening a restaurant tomorrow, I would start where I can. And I think that's where people get into the most trouble is they have this vision and it's good to, to vision. It's important to vision, but you don't need to achieve that vision tomorrow for Christ's sake, start where you can. Even if that's just collaborating with somebody in your local business, just, it's all about relationships. Just start making relationships where you can that maybe that's pop-ups. Maybe the pop-ups evolve into um, a farmer's market where you have a standard of farmer's market. Maybe you get a more consistent pop-up where now every week on Sunday when this restaurant's closed, I'm in there, you know? And over time you get your word out and it's slow organic growth. You start doing what you do better you, and you, you get more clarity. And then as cash flow increases and you can buy things with your own assets, you know, it's, it's have the 10 year goal and know that you're not going to get there overnight, you know, and just slowly, but surely when you, when, when, you, as you have more cash flow and as you have more people that are approaching you, like that should determine your growth. Don't take a half million dollars from some, some slime ball that is going to control your vision. As soon as you give up equity, you get, you'll never make enough money. You have to have that sense of autonomy. You have to have that sense of freedom. And as soon as you give that up to get the materialistic things that you think are going to make you happy, you're fucked. Pardon my language. At this point uh, in the show, I always like to offer the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. And uh, are there any words of encouragement? Is there anything you would like to say or share? There's so much happening in the world right now. There seems to be a lot of disparity in the world right now and within the industry. But imagine... Whatever there's disaster, there's always opportunity afterwards. Uh, you can, you know, the, the, the analogy I've been using lately is like Indians, right? They used to burn fields. They're destroyed, they're decimated field because they knew that after that fire, there'd be a, a, an, a tremendous amount of growth. A green, plush, healthy. When, when there's devastation, there's always a burst of life afterwards. So know that if you can weather the storm, um, you might have to take a new approach. Uh, there's going to be so many people looking to grow. Don't know that you don't have to do it by yourself. If, if I'm in your shoes right now, I'm networking like a mofo. I'm finding other people who are, have similar values and similar visions for what they want to do and know that you can't do it by yourself. You, I, I really don't think you can be competitive in today's market by yourself. You have to, you have to be willing to work with other people. You have to come together. You have to be self-aware, know your strengths, know your weaknesses and lean on those who are strong where you're weak uh, and communicate. You know, that's another thing that comes up a lot too, is just talk to these people, do the dreaming together, you know, write these things down and set goals. That's Eric Cacciatore. To hear more from Eric, search Restaurant Unstoppable on all podcasting platforms. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content or read our weekly blog, go to joshcopel.com. That's J-O-S-H. 
K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.